You're listening to the Tamariano Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com on this Sunday afternoon uh, in Israel between 4 to 5 p.m. Holy Time. That means we are live if you're listening uh, during this time period. If you are listening to the show at any other time, then it means that you're listening to a rebroadcast of the show. We are offering these live shows so you can call in with your co- uh, comments or questions on the topics that we're speaking about. And co-hosting with me today on the show is Matt Zucker. Matt Zucker is a tour guide here in Israel. Matt, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Yeah, well, almost the tour guide. The test was postponed because of this war, but thank you. Okay, so, and Matt was... <laughs> Bezrat Hashem one day soon. Matt is a former show host at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and he will be co-hosting with me today. And uh, we're going to be speaking about some of the latest news headlines. We'll be speaking, of course, about the three uh, Jewish kidnapped uh, men who were killed by friendly fire over the weekend, a horrible tragedy. We're going to go into that, uh, how it might have happened, and the response, etc. We'll also be giving you some of the latest news headlines, and we'll be talking also about anti-Semitism around the world. We're going to hone in on a specific incident that happened on the West Coast in the United States, and we'll be having someone on from there who experienced this uh, anti-Semitism, and he'll be giving his take on what happened. But maybe we should start off with some uh, news headlines right now, Matt. Well, you know, as you you touched on, I think the big story was the tragic uh, mistake with um, the shooting of the three hostages. Um, And... uh, how no one was prepared for the thought of hostages loose and you know how it fits with how many times the troops in that specific area were were uh, they attempted to lure them into ambushes using hebrew speakers um people with white flags strapped with explosives so it was just uh i mean i mean horror of horrors but while they were operating they've uh continued to find tunnels they found tunnels um inside of uh sinwar's uh vacation home um loaded with weapons of course um so and they still managed to get some long distance rockets out of gaza uh, just just after the sabbath came in uh on friday a large barrage of rockets uh, made its way to Jerusalem and yeah. East Jerusalem, even one into the... I saw uh, them. I saw those rockets. I saw the interceptions. It was quite fascinating. You know, um, we have on... There's a special channel on television that is a silent channel on Shabbat. And it, it right? only yeah. uh, shows you if there's a red alert sirens going off in uh, anywhere in the, in the country, it will quietly display the names of those cities. But because I'm getting it through internet, there's like a, a minute delay. So my phone, my phone will go off first. And I'll hear that there's uh, red alert sirens going off, but I can't run to my phone all the time and be able to see the screen when it shows you the area. So I just sat and waited, and I looked at the television, and then I see it says, Jerusalem! (laughs) And I said, Jerusalem! And I look out my window, (laughs) and I see these, like, you know, you can't... It's interesting, because my son explained this to me, actually, because he's an engineer. So... 
he, my son was explaining to me that you won't see the rockets or the, in this case, it's a missile because it's falling now and all the fuel is gone and you're not going to see that bright light uh, of fire coming like the, that the tail that it has, but you do see it from the, uh, Iron Dome. And so we saw these bright flashes of lights and they're being shot up into the sky. You see the smoke behind it. And then you, you see, because it's the Iron Dome, it can go squiggly squaggly in the air. Right. Kind of like a scribble. And then boom, it hits, it finds the target and hits it. And you hear the, you know, the big, uh, per, not percussion, the, the head def, the compression. I, I don't know how to say it, head def in English. The explosion. The explosion. You know. And yeah. And so it was quite fascinating to see. Now, I was able to see this because the red alert sirens were not going off in my community. Uh, it only goes off where they think the, the rockets are, or missiles are going to hit and or the shrapnel coming down from the sky after it's blown up in the sky. Because what goes up has to go down. But go ahead. And by the way, by the way, they did find rocket debris in, the, in a Jerusalem kindergarten yard today so yes thank god yes you know thank god it was friday afternoon right yep and the kids mm. went on to school friday evening yeah okay so go ahead sorry i'm gonna try to get our guest on while you're reading out That's some okay. more headlines uh so meanwhile meanwhile the humanitarian aid continues to flow in through the civilians uh there have been reports of some civilians trying to hijack the trucks back but uh they're unconfirmed um also uh the conflict continues in the north as well a uh, unfortunately a reservist was killed by a suicide drone um uh yesterday morning or last night i believe um 53 year old and uh, the Hezbollah continues to fire um, anti-tank rockets and mortars along the northern border. So we don't see a whole lot of uh, red alerts. If you follow with apps the um, missile attacks here in Israel, there's not a lot of alerts on the north, but it remains very active. And um, unfortunately, we're... Uh, getting pressure uh, that Israel is being held responsible for, for containing that conflict line, but it's increasingly difficult to do. There was actually an interception over Tiberia last night. So Tiberias is on the uh, northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee or the Kinneret. And uh, so that drone penetrated pretty, and that was a drone attack apparently that, um, made it pretty far south. So um, that northern border, although it continues to uh, stay active, doesn't get a whole lot of press time. Last night, um, Prime Minister Netanyahu and, and Benny Gantz and uh, Yoav Gallant uh, gave a, a joint press conference uh, about the ongoing conflict and the uh, unfortunate tragedy with the, the three hostages that were killed. And um, increasingly, it seems that uh, the United States and Israel may be on, I don't want to use the expression collision course, but um, there were having restrictions placed on us that really any Israeli 
would see as untenable um, the when the Americans continue to talk about a two-state solution and the Palestinian Authority being involved with that. Um, it, uh, you could say that that's a little bit more frightening than Hamas. I, I just um, want to insert here that they, I just saw somewhere where they had a poll that approximately 80% of the Arab population in Judea and Samaria, which they call the West Bank, but it's actually Judea and Samaria, mm-hmm. 80% identify with the Hamas and think that October 7th was a great idea. So Right, and meanwhile and meanwhile the meanwhile there's the canard of the violence uh, and the canard of the violent settler maintains apparently uh, the United States is holding up the sale of uh, M16 rifles for fear that they'll wind up in the hands of the mythical violent settler which you know not to say that there aren't incidences but there are exceptions not not the rule by a long shot and that most of the violent episodes that happen there happen because a lack of response by the military forces when and they're attacked by the Arabs. when there are attacks when yeah. there are attacks the, the 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 israeli policy and i am not proud to say it, the israeli policy is decidedly anti-jewish in judea and samaria uh, they 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 take a policy of appeasement, and when they're afraid of an international incident, that's what they're afraid of. Okay, you know what? Let's let we can continue this conversation, but let's go. We have our guest waiting on the line right now, and I want to introduce him. We have joining us Mark P. Cohen. He's a lawyer, a writer, and for the last four years, he served as an as an adjunct professor of law at Golden Gate University Law School in San Francisco, where he taught constitutional privacy law. Mark has lived in Oakland, California for the past 19 years and is part of a small but vibrant modern Orthodox Jewish community. And I want to welcome you to the show, Mark Cohen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So uh, why don't you just give our listeners a little bit of a rundown of what was going on in Oakland and where you testified. uh, There was a whole debate on the war here in Israel. Give give, give our listeners a background. So on uh, November November 27th, there was uh, an Oakland City Council resolution calling for a ceasefire. And uh, as these resolutions go, it actually wasn't bad in language. Putting aside the call for ceasefire uh, is a, a false narrative to begin with. Uh, the language of the ceasefire resolution wasn't bad. Uh, but uh, what it did do was bring out, uh, it, it was an, a catalyst for a lot of uh, the anti-Israel community to come out and protest, and it really brought out a very intense anti-Semitic environment at the city council hearing, uh, where the the Jewish people like myself that were there were outnumbered by at least 10 to 1 by a very well-organized anti-Arab community in the Bay Area. Uh, Anti-Arab? So, I'm sorry, anti-Israel uh, okay. uh, group in the Bay Area. And it was to the point of physically intimidating... Uh, where uh, the this anti-Israel group actually brought out their own security to police the line getting into the city council, and for that matter, to police what was going on in the city council chambers. When you Can say I you felt physically threatened, you mean like they brought thugs, basically? 
Well, I, I wouldn't. They, they weren't thugs. They were actually somewhat benign in appearance, but were trying to keep uh, their crowd uh, in, in a favorable position as we entered into the city hall chambers. And the crowd itself was very vocal with uh, uh, anti-Semitic uh, language and uh, were allowed to get away with it and, in effect, intimidate the uh, pro-Israel crowd. Uh, and when we got into the chambers and when testimony began, which was about six hours because there were about 250 to 300 people that testified, uh, the crowd was permitted, in effect, to interrupt and to heckle the pro-Israeli speakers, like including myself. The city council uh, did very little to police the crowd, and even during the comments by Dan Kalb, one of the city council members who was Jewish, who wanted to introduce an amendment to the resolution condemning Hamas, even when he was speaking, the crowd was heckling him, and there was a benign effort on the part of the city council president to quiet the crowd. So there was, in effect, a condoning of this Jewish hatred that was being spewed by the crowd uh, for the, by the lack of policing the crowd uh, and keeping them in control. Uh, the resolution ultimately passed, which wasn't a surprise, uh, but what it did, again, was stir up uh, in the community uh, an anti-Semitic atmosphere that exists uh, to this day. Hmm. Matt, you had a question. Uh, you know, I just wanted to know what the uh, security was wearing. <laughs> like, they I, were, uh, I call them, they were wearing um, yellow vests, <laughs> okay. which distinguished them. And I, it, it's interesting because... The, the, the city of Berkeley, which is next to Oakland, tried to introduce a resolution similar to this, and for many reasons it was rescinded, but I showed up at that hearing, and the same type of yellow-vested people who tried to police the crowd uh, were there as well, and I asked a couple of them, well, who are they? And they refused to acknowledge uh, who organized them and uh, whose behalf they were were working for. Uh, it's believed that it's um, they were affiliated with uh, the Arab Resource Organizing Committee, which is based in San Francisco. They are very well organized. They are very grassroots, uh, and they have done an excellent job in bringing out the anti-Israel crowd to these rallies and fomenting an anti-Semitic atmosphere. So you said before, Mark, that they were heckling you and other people who were up there speaking. Give us an example yes. of some of the things that they said that you felt threatened or that was so uh, traumatic for, for Jews to hear. Well, in addition to being interrupted as we speak, uh, you know, the language to the effect of Zionist pig, you know, there were curse words being used, uh, the... Uh, Ty Gregory, who is a who is the CEO of the Jewish um, uh, a Jewish organization in the Bay Area, w was quoted as hearing White Hitler calling out uh, from the crowd. 
and uh, you know certainly from the from the river to the sea, free Palestine, uh, and you know, when 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 you're outnumbered, it may have even been more than ten to one, uh, and you hear these these uh, anti-Israel anti-Semitic statements, you kind of get a little intimidated, even even. Even somebody like myself, I grew up in Brooklyn, I, I knew this stuff, you know, but you you have to be careful. And, in fact, I had to leave, even though I was one of the last speakers to speak at approximately 8.30, uh, I felt that I needed to leave before the conclusion because I was concerned for my safety. So, fortunately, there was one other person who was speaking uh, in favor of Israel that I saw, and I said, we should probably leave. And... Uh, it's interesting because I had to go through the video uh, because I'm working on uh, some issues that may have established some legal violations on the part of the city uh, in conjunction in, in relation to this meeting. And I had to go through the video, and uh, at the conclusion of the hearing, the city council posed with these anti-Israel people with a Palestinian flag very prominent in the picture. Uh, which uh, is chilling. It's chilling. Uh, so what kind we're of, organizing. What, what kind of message do you get from that? I mean, we've looked at Jewish history throughout history, and we've never won the war against anti-Semitism. Jews have survived it, but we've never won the war. There's too many of them, and there's too few of us, and, when, you know, like, I, I always say that when a, a, a person has a family history of some, God forbid, disease in their family, they, they are very careful to look for any signs or symptoms that maybe they're getting that disease now as well. And here we're seeing a replay of the 1930s before Nazi Germany went in and did what they did to us, the Holocaust, and... Jews then thought also, well, we can get public, we can get the public, you know, for us, or we'll use the justice system. Certainly, our cause is is correct. Certainly, they have no right to go in and treat Jews as second class citizens or as or as just to dehumanize us. We can win. We we just have to fight more, sign petitions. But of course, it didn't work, and I don't think it's going to work now either. Well, uh, I do see the parallels that you're referring to. I think that uh, we, the organized Jewish community, has not really grasped the uh, seriousness of the situation. Uh, and you're, you're right, uh, organizing and signing petitions is not going to get us anywhere. Look, I think that uh, the there's there's a great degree of anti-Semitism on the extremes of the political spectrum in the United States. I believe that a lot of what we see on what some people will call the left was precipitated by what has been occurring on the extreme right in America. I think that with um, the, the, the tacit permission that Trump gave the extreme right to come out with their anti-Semitic and racist ideology, uh, to come out with it, uh, has given the left the permission to be more brazen. Uh, if there's any saving grace to uh, what has occurred in the unfortunate 
uh, situation after October 7th. It is that it is revealing the anti-Semites on both sides of the spectrum. And now we are seeing the light flashed on what some people will call the left. I don't call those people leftists. I don't call those people progressives. I call these people authoritarian neo-fascists. That's who they are, because they think it's okay to demonize the Jews and to demonize Israel. Uh, and that is not progressive. That is neo-fascist. That, that is uh, authoritarian. And this is what we need to wake up to. Look, even before October 7th, synagogues have been on the alert. My synagogue has a security door that cost over $150,000. We have a, an armed police officer who is off-duty but armed, we pay for, who appears every Shabbat and every High Holy Day to make sure that we're okay. That was before October 7th. We have security measures that we have to, have to institute in our synagogue so we can have some sense of security when we go to pray. Again, before October 7th. Uh, after October 7th, the alert is even that much greater. Uh, you know, we're... we're this is the existence that Jews have lived under for a long time, and we're just beginning to be aware of the seriousness of the threat that we face. Uh, so we have to be more innovative. We have to be able to stand up for ourselves, and we have to realize that the, the conventional way of approaching things no longer is, is applicable. And I'm waiting for the organized Jewish community to wake up to that. I, I wouldn't wait too long. I don't think that you have that much time. I'm telling you, I mean, I have to speak with someone who lived, I lived in California. I grew up there. And I'm, and I'm telling you straight out, you are not going to win. I don't know what means you think that you can use in order that you're going to win. There is just too many of them. And of the good people they usually don't want to get involved. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to stick their neck out, and they'll just go, tisk, 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 tisk. You know, it's really sad what's happening to our Jewish neighbors, but they're not, gonna, they're not going to uh, bring any type of threat to their families. And I, I think that we need to learn our lessons from history, that the only way to fight the anti-Semites is to be strong in our own homeland, here in Israel, I think I really think you and the Jewish community need to consider making Aliyah, to consider saying, you know what, it can happen here, because I grew up there and I know everyone would say, it can't happen here, it can't happen in America. And that's what they probably said in Germany when the Jews were the philosophers and the hip people sitting in Berlin cafes, smoking their cigarettes and philosophizing. I can't even say the word now. <laughs> Help me, Matt. Philosophizing. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, the, and they were hip and cool, but when the anti-Semites get a taste for blood and they're rising up and there's not going to be anyone to stop them enough, we know what the end's going to be. It happened in Germany. It happened in England. It happened in Spain. It happened all over the world throughout history. And it's happening right now in the United States. And I think that unless our Jewish brothers and sisters wake up and say, you know what? Thank you, America. You're a wonderful country. And there are many good Americans. But we see that our time here is now up. And there is a God in heaven. And we know that the future of the Jewish people is not going to be in Oakland or in Melbourne or in in London or in New York or wherever, the future of the Jewish people is in Israel, is in the land of Israel, and that's where we need to go to. 
Now you're sounding like my daughter who wants me to make Aliyah. You should listen to your daughter. (laughs) Does she live in Israel? Yeah, she lives in Israel. Wonderful. uh, Look, I I hear what you're saying, and I I can't disagree with that. But look, we, we have a job to do here as American Jews. And maybe you're right. Maybe that's the ultimate uh, solution for us. But right now, as an American Jew, I feel an obligation to stay here and fight. And I have to get the message out as best as I can, uh, as long as I can. The, the, there's, a, there's a war going on right now in Israel, and there are many courageous people from all sides of the political spectrum that have come together to, to do battle for right. And right now, I, as well as a, a lot of other American Jews, are trying to do the same thing here. We have a very powerful Constitution that affords freedoms, that has given Jews the opportunity that no country has ever given us, other than perhaps Israel. And we have to take advantage of that. That's why I became a lawyer. That's why, in my earlier career, I was a criminal defense attorney, because that's where the battle is. That's the front line. And right now, we're on the front line, and we're going to stand up to these anti-Semites. And we're going to get the message out. And the organized Jewish community, the established Jewish community, has to wake up. Let me tell you something, Mark. I, I once learned that the Constitution is only as strong as the people who are willing to go out and defend it. And when I see the newer generation today that are self-hating Americans that hate their history, are ashamed of it, who want to be global citizens rather than American patriots, I don't have hope. I don't have hope for the Constitution to stay strong and protect the rights of, of Jews. I see a government that is being, that's our future government. The youth that we're seeing today screaming down the streets, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. The people who don't know what sex they are or, or let their kindergarten teacher def, uh, def, uh, decide what sex their child's going to be. I, I, I don't see a future for America in that way. Not, that, not the America that you and I grew up in. And uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, how do you say, I wouldn't rely on that. I wouldn't rely on the justice system helping me. You know, Germany what, had a justice system as well. You weren't allowed to uh, say that Jews were, were inhuman, they were subhuman. But it, you know what? They say, well, it's not in the public interest right now to enforce that law. Or well, the police just don't show up because they say, well, we'll wait until things, you know, cool off. Go ahead. Um, so you, you want to talk about the future in America. You know, there's the monthly poll that uh, I think it's Harris Poll does on um they've been tracking with israel and the war with hamas and israel and uh, rather israel enjoys strong bipartisan support amongst americans except for the youth like 18 to 24 25 the numbers are abysmal um the november poll was really scary the december poll is even more scary uh that the majority of them are uh, don't think that israel should exist um a great many of them Doubt the Holocaust was real. I saw that poll and, today, actually. And right, so most young Americans it. think Israel should be ended and given to Hamas. And now this is the youth. This is you know the again. This is eighteen to twenty-four year olds, the ones that had uh, their brains turned into mush, I guess, through the public school system and then the secondary system, because we're seeing 
now what's going on in the university system and that how else you explain it's the youth the rest of america gets it you know it's uh well i i think that um these trends are unfortunate uh and in part it could be attributed to a failure of the organized jewish community in america to properly educate its youth and uh true to expose um, Jewish Americans to our, our history uh, and its assimilation. Uh, uh, but I think that uh, the greater threat to American Jews uh, it comes from the from the right wing and the the MAGA Republicans who uh, have openly expressed hostility to Jews, even though some of them have support for Israel. I think that we need to be careful who we consider our friends. Uh, and uh, as I said before, I think that the extreme right in America has opened the door to allow for it to be acceptable to express yourself in, in subtly anti-Semitic and directly anti-Semitic terms. And now we're seeing it on the left, and uh, we, we have to do something about it. We have to call out anti-Semitism on both sides of the political spectrum and not try and play favorites here, uh, because both sides threaten us. Yeah, that so, should be a sign that God's telling you it's time to get well, out. I, I, <laughs> I, know, I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. And, uh, you know, somebody has to remain on the front line here. And right now, that's what I, I, I see I'm doing. Uh, and I, I, actually, that sounds like uh, what I'm doing is, is far more important than it really is. I'm just a foot soldier here. Uh, but it's the foot soldiers that that uh, maintain the front line, and uh, you know we we have to be innovative. Uh, you know, there's an organization called Jubilong, uh, which you may have heard of. I don't know. They they post these uh, some people say provocative billboards, uh, but they, they they put the message in your face, and we have to start doing things like that. They have um, uh, posters uh, in the Bay Area and throughout the United States. One of the messages. Hamas is your problem, too. And it's right there in your face as you're driving down the highway. And so what's going on in the Bay Area, these billboards are being uh, vandalized by the anti-Israel crowd. But it's bringing attention to the issue in ways that um, we can't normally do with hundreds of, not, hundreds of people showing up to the city council. Uh, you know, I'm meeting with local city council members uh, to begin an education process. It may or may not work, but we're, we're making our, our voices heard in the most effective way we can. And we have to be more innovative in getting our messages out. And that means standing up for ourselves. All right, Mark, you know what? I wish you safety. I wish you Hatzlacha, which is success. I, I don't see a good outcome. I think the only thing is to just say, get the message and say, you know what? Our time is up here in America. Our time is up here in America. It's no thing. America's not the same America anymore. It's time to go home. But I hear you, and I wish you safety. <laughs> and I hope that uh, you'll be able to merit having the schut uh, to join your daughter here in Israel in Aliyah and, and be strong from here. And then go back during the summers and visit America. Do your shopping. Say hello to your friends. But you make your home here in Israel, which is, which is where we belong. But, uh, but let, let me just say ahead, I Matt. completely <laughs> admire your courage because I know that those crowds are intimidating. And so, you know, as they say in Israel, all the honor to you, because that 
it's definitely not easy. So thank you. Love to have you here. But if you're going to be there, at least you're standing up and doing some some heavy lifting. That's what we're going to do. Okay, Mark, thank you so much. Be safe. Thank God you. Bless Thank you. you very much. Okay, be well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, you know what I didn't say? I forgot uh, that people who are listening in should check out, even if you're, what, whoever you agree with, uh, you know, to stay and fight or to say, you know what, time's up, go home. Check out this website, www.n, like in November, b, like in boy, n, like in November, nbn.org, org, dot il nbn.org.il. Check out that website. Guess what? If you're Jewish, you can move to Israel and they will pay for your flight and you will come here and you'll get a basket of goods from the government. In other words, they'll give you discounts and they'll help you. They give you a little bit of money to help get you started on your life here in Israel. Just check it out. You have nothing to lose. And maybe if it's not for you, maybe for a neighbor or a friend or yeah, go ahead. As a relatively new immigrant, I've only been here a little over three years, as I tell people. It really is probably one of the hardest things I've done. But by light years, the most rewarding things I have ever done. And um, you will be rewarded in ways you can't even imagine. I, can't, I couldn't possibly explain it to you. It's, uh, once you get here, you're going to be like, why didn't I come sooner? It's you, The perspective you have from here, uh, looking at the diaspora, psh, don't wait. Fill out an application. Go on to nbn.org and just fill out an application and start the process. And it could take up to a year to be accepted, by the way, so you should do it now. And sure if you get accepted and you can come and let's say you feel, you know what? I'm getting cold feet. I'm not ready. No one's going to put a gun to your head to get on the plane and come. You can always just say, I changed my mind. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, you can just right. kick it down the road a little bit. Sure. <laughs> Anyway. All right. I want to talk about another subject now. Somebody brought this up to me. Uh, I teach Tanakh, which is Bible, uh, on Shabbat and on Tuesday. Well, I teach a lot of it, Baruch Hashem, thank God. And uh, one of the women came up to me afterwards, and she said something very good, because I, I didn't even think about that. There is a uh, uh, saying going around that the families of the hostages... Uh, that are being held, the kidnapped in Gaza. The families are out protesting every single day, trying to get their husbands, their children, their wives, their parents who have been kidnapped and being held right now in Gaza by these terrorists, trying to get them out. And their line is hashtag bring them home now. Now I'm going to ask you, what do you think about that hashtag? Matt. Uh, I'm not a big fan of hashtags. Okay. I, I just got to say that. Okay. I, you know. So this is their hash, hashtag, bring them home now. But this woman was saying, and I agree with her 100%, when, when they're saying bring them home now, it's implying that it's our government's fault that they're still being held as prisoners, innocent people, kidnapped people in Gaza. And in, and in fact, it should be let them go now. Because that is a direct message to the Hamas and to the international community to press the Hamas. These are innocent people. It is a war crime what these Hamas-ISIS terrorists have done by kidnapping 
old people, young people, babies, mothers, fathers, young people, etc. And who knows what they're doing to them? We already know that they're, that they're being sexually abused there. I hate to, I, I don't even want to go there with my mind what's happening to them. They're being held in pitch dark. They're being starved. Uh, they're not getting their medicines. Uh, we don't even know who's alive or who's dead because the, the Hamas ISIS terrorists are not even letting the Red Cross come in to see the welfare of our kidnapped. And it should, our message should be let them go now instead of bring them home now. That is an excellent point. And, you know, that is a, that's like one of those like really subtle um, nuanced um, expressions and and i have to tell you increasingly i i I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the protest movement i mean my heart breaks for those people i cannot even imagine right but you know um i i, I fear the war fatigue and i i i am suspicious of not of some of the people that may be behind that movement and, and you have uh, a right to because there are there are people are saying that there is an undercurrent like a fifth column in Israel that are using the hostages as fodder to get Netanyahu out of the out of power why because and I'm not a uh I'm not a fan of the prime minister of Israel. He does some good things and he does some stupid things, in my opinion, some big mistakes he's done. And I don't trust him completely, but looking at the, can I say this word, Drek? Yeah, sure. <laughs> the, 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 the poor leadership that we have here in Israel today of people who've gone into politics, he's probably one of the better ones in the sense of he is leading the country, his experience, et cetera, et cetera. I am not for him, but uh, I know that there are many people who want him out because Bibi is against this two-state solution, which we call the final solution, because Israel cannot survive if there's two states here. We would be destroyed. And, uh, and, and he's not going to let that happen. And we know that the Biden administration is already talking about two-state solution. They're pushing this. And I believe, and many Israelis do believe also, that People in Israel, certain individuals have more or less been bought off or promised things, power, maybe they'll put them into power if they go along, and help get Bibi out of power in order to, uh, and they're using the hostage situation for that, kind of showing, implying that uh, that Bibi is not doing enough to get them out. And believe me, everybody who's listening to this show, all we want is, is to destroy this threat and to rescue our hostages. And our soldiers are doing everything in their power to be able to get to the hostages. Many soldiers are dying in order to try to save our hostages. May I just say that many soldiers are dying because of the restraints being put on us by the United States. And I, I know that the Israelis are, are, are probably, um, according to I think what the Americans are saying, are, are are not listening as well as the Americans would like, and that that I think is a good thing. But um, you know, the longer that this drags on, and the less that we can utilize our air power in devastating ways, it's going to mean more dead Israeli soldiers. And I think pretty much every Israeli is unified in that our soldiers' lives are more important than 
anybody's lives in Gaza short of possibly the hostages. Uh, we, we have a lot more to say about that. I know I do, but let's go first to a caller. We have Antonio joining us from the United States. Hi, Antonio. Hi, Shalom. I have a, um, a statement regarding um, the kids, the, the poll with um, the individuals, the kids that want to um, Hamas to conquer Israel, God forbid. I think pretty much it's a government issue because I feel that today's society, children are not being taught correctly. From a very young age, that they are being um, in school taught F's are good to, to make and and pass the um, administrators are passing those into um, those F students who go ahead and be in college and so forth. That's one of the issues. Another thing, when they took Hashem out of the country and start start to you can't discipline your kids, can't do this, can't do that. That's one of the biggest downfall of this country. Second thing, topic. Regarding Biden, um, he, he wears pampers, let's be honest about it. But anyway, this man is, is absolutely an idiot. And whoever votes for him should be, should be get an ass whooped, period. Because that's not right. What he is doing to this world, and he wants a two-state solution. I pray to God. I know Hashem is not going to allow it. Absolutely not. And I think Bibi, he has his issues, but I support him on that issue. Well, you know, I, I like that we have a left winger on and then we have a right winger on. <laughs> We've got from the two different spectrums and we welcome everyone's opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinions. And uh, I want to thank you for calling in, uh, uh, Antonio. And I'm going to actually follow up on something that you said about the Biden administration, if I can. So thanks for your thank call. You. One, one, yeah. last question, one last sure. thing. Yeah. Since Biden wants Israel to give Hamas, uh, the Palestinians, why don't he give back the United States part to the Indians? Why don't the uh, Vatican give what it stole from Israel to different countries? That's it. So you're basically saying that they're hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. All okay. right. Well, very nice point. Thank you for calling in, Antonio. I, I want to follow up on something that Antonio said about the Biden administration. Uh, this is this is my opinion, everyone. You can agree. You can disagree. It's fine. We're very tolerant here to hear other people's opinions. Uh, I remember before October 7th, Prime Minister Netanyahu was very involved in trying to get the Saudi Arabians into the Abraham Accords. And he was hoping that the United States would assist in this effort. And I remember the Biden administration, sadly, saying to Bibi that you get rid of the right wing in your government, Smotrich and Ben Gvir. These are two uh, heads of parties in, in the Knesset today. Get rid of which them. Hold, which, hold, which hold his coalition government together, by the way. Which hold his coalition government together. And by the way, were elected democratically by the Israeli people. This is the will in democratic elections of the Israeli people. And the Biden administration doesn't respect that because they're telling us, they're telling him, get rid of them. If you want our support to help you get the Abraham Accords going, uh, then, uh, then get rid of these people and bring in the left wing, which is uh, Gantz, Benny Gantz. Bring him into the government so you can have your, uh, your required amount of seats that you need in order to have a coalition. And... Uh, that's what we were hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And then all of a sudden, when, and, and of course, Netanyahu hasn't 
done that. And he really wants this, uh, these Abraham Accords with Saudi Arabia because he wants it to be part of his legacy. And then afterwards, all of a sudden, we have October 7th. And I'm just wondering, I don't know, but I'm wondering if there was some involvement or influence of the international community to get, number one, the, the Israel into a war that was going to show Netanyahu as a complete and utter failure. And by the way, I will agree that he is a failure in this because he's had the government for the last almost 20 years and he kept kicking the can down the road with the terrorists in Gaza. He funded, uh, when he was a finance minister, he helped fund all of these uh, territorial withdrawals in the hopes of peace, which we, which we, on, uh, we uh, people who are more conservative and I think have a little bit more common sense in that, in, in that way, we knew it was going to end up bad. We knew you don't give prizes to terrorists and you don't uh, reward that type of behavior. So in any case, we find ourselves in a position like this where this is a perfect uh, uh, opportunity now to, in a sense, dethrone Bibi and bring in a fifth column up that is, uh, was not democratically elected, but to bring in uh, the, the uh, far left now that wants to make more uh, territorial concessions to the terrorists and give them their own state, which means the end of Israel, essentially. Because, again, Israel is not able to exist in uh, being carved up into two states. And as I'm speaking right now, we are being bombed. Uh, We are having red alert sirens now in the south of Israel, uh, near uh, near Yitzhak and Sufa. We're praying for the safety of all of our people there who are right now running for the bomb shelters trying to get out of uh, harm's way. And uh, it's crazy after more than two months of fighting, we are still being bombed by the Hamas terrorists. It's getting old. I'll say that. That's all you have to say? <laughs> I, you know, um, I'm so upset. You know, there are still people, there are people in America, Jews even, who think... Uh, the Americans are showing us support. The Biden administration is uh, giving us great support because, uh, you know, they say good things. Uh, I don't really think he says great things. And I know sometimes he has to send his spokespeople out to backpedal for him. Um, but, you know, I really we could finish. We could finish the war. I mean, first of all, the hostages, of course, are the wild card. But, you know, we could finish the war fast. The Americans want slow, uh, no air power, use the troops on the ground, which will cause more deaths. Um, You know, so it's not that they want to save lives. They just want to save Arab lives. They don't really care about Jewish lives. Um, The fastest way to get Hamas out and then the faster you can have your Arab population that is left. Did we lose Matt? I think we lost Matt. Matt, are you with us? Okay, I lost Matt for a minute. Uh, all right, so I'll just continue here and uh, until we can get Matt back on. Uh, 
Let me, I want to read to you uh, an article that was printed in the Jerusalem, that was uh, posted in the Jerusalem Post. And this was uh, posted on the uh, 6th of December. Matt, are you back with us? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, we lost you for a, a minute. Oh, sorry. I, 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 but before I read you this article, I want to, I, I want to make a comment on, uh, on something. But go ahead, Matt. No, I guess you didn't hear. I, um, no, I no, we didn't you... hear you because you got cut off. Oh, I, I apologize. No, I was just, I was just talking about um, uh, the, you know, how Joe Biden basically, even though some people in America, even Jews, think that he's saying good things and he's showing support, he's he's killing us, and and I mean that figuratively and literally. We're 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 bleeding because of him and his policies and and the man has been wrong on every single foreign policy decision or position he's taken since he came into office a million years ago and and i i want someone if you disagree with me please tell me where i'm wrong the guy's wrong on everything he's like he's like george costanza you want to have a successful foreign policy do the opposite of what joe (laughs) biden says Okay, you're funny. It's that simple. He's and and um, I, I'm ashamed. I'm incensed. I'm scared because he can cut off the flow of bombs. We allowed ourselves to become hooked on the American um, military aid crack, and we have to. When this, when we extricate ourselves from this problem, we need to extricate ourselves from uh, under the boot of America. Okay, let's go to a caller. We have joining us. Uh, Lauren from the occupied territories of Toronto. Hi there, Lauren. <laughs> so, so true. I, 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 I don't know if you noticed. Sorry, let me get that off. I don't know if you've noticed a, a, a picture that's circulating downtown Toronto, um, a, a prayer session going on. It's a no-go zone now. Um, but that's not why I'm calling in. I. I, w- I agree with your your uh, co-host there, totally. Uh, the caller from uh, the lawyer caller from America um, reminds me of a story that I was told by a, a family member a few years ago. Uh, at the age of eighteen, in Germany, nineteen thirty-two, I believe. Uh, approached her family and said uh, she's going to Palestine. And her parents and siblings uh, were just hysterical and pleaded with her, saying, you're going to be killed by the Arabs. Um, That's not what happened. They were killed by the Germans. So that caller, the lawyer, I admire his... uh, his efforts, um, but that's a dead end. As you as you said, Tamar, we don't have the numbers. Nobody's listening. The young people are not listening. They don't care. Programmed. Um, but going over to, you know, what what can we do? Because BB is in a squeeze. He's got the world. He's got. Biden, the Democrats, all that on the on one side, and then he's got doing the right thing for the people of Israel on the other side. Um, Israel has to reconfigure. They can 
cannot be held hostage to America that isn't going to be the same going down the road. This is only the beginning. It's, it's, it's going to be very frightening. If we rely on America for weapons, so we, we, I mean Israel, and by the way, I'm making, uh, I'm in the Aliyah process. I started in May. Wonderful. Um, we need to make our own, and that is going to require a drop in the standard of living of Israelis, at least temporarily, to go down that path. And um, I had other thoughts, but I think that's a bucket full right now. I enjoy your show. You guys are terrific. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank and you, I, you just made my day letting me know that you're in the process of making Aliyah. And I want everybody to, to listen to what he said. He already started in May. We're already in December. We're talking six months, and he's still in the process. So that's why I want to urge you now to start. Open up your file now. Start now because we don't know how much time we have left. You know, all even in Israel, packages are not arriving because planes are not flying here to Israel. Many airlines have stop flying here we don't know when that when the ch- last train's going to leave and we can't get on it so i want to thank you for your call lauren you're welcome thank you all right you know, you know tomorrow i have to tell you and, and touching on it when you were talking to mark and i talked to my family in america and they're oh they're, they're so concerned you know and a few of them have have made comments where like yeah it's really scary but you know nothing's happened to me so you know i'm like wow that's so 1938 you know <laughs> but but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and i and i tell and i tell my family back in america i, I don't i I'm not going to get into a, I'm not going to fight against anti-Semitism or Jew hatred, whatever, you know, which is a better term for it, because now I have not been reading the, the, the Torah for that long. Okay. Not nearly as long as you, a few years, but it seems that repeatedly it's supposed to be this way. <laughs> You're not going to end it. You just have to come here. Well, we but, know how the, how, how our story ends that Israel, yeah. Jerusalem is going to be a light into the nations, that the future of the Jewish people is going to be here. It's not going to be anywhere. It's not going to be in, in New York City or, or Sydney, Australia. Or, yeah, it's not going to be there. It's going to be here. This is where it's going to happen. All right, I want to uh, switch, uh, uh, switch um, gears here, and I want to talk a little bit about the hostages that were killed uh, so sadly, by friendly fire. And I, I want to share something here. Uh, some newer reports that are going out. Lest you think that Israeli soldiers are uh, quick on the trigger. We have rules of engagement, which we say. But, uh, and, and, it's, and you're out in the field. Things are not uh, so clear. And I want you to understand what our soldiers are going through. What my sons have seen, uh, it happened in front of their eyes as well, and I'll share a little bit of that as well. But um, our soldier, soldiers uh, have been tricked over and over and over again by the Hamas with, first of all, if you look at all of these uh, Hamasnikim who are giving up, if you've seen them on TV, before they take off their, their shirts, etc., they're wearing civilian clothes, you don't see them in uniforms. They're all disguising themselves as civilians. And they are 
tricking the soldiers. They come out with white flags. They'll come out in civilian clothes. And then they have a bomb strapped to them underneath their shirts. And they blow the soldiers. They try to blow the soldiers up. My own son was with uh, his unit. This was just about a couple of weeks ago. With his unit. And a four-year-old kid comes out and saying, Mayim, Mayim, which means in Hebrew, water, water. He was saying that word in Hebrew, not in Arabic. That was your kid's unit? That was my kid's unit. I know that's, wow. Wow. And one of his friends went up to go towards him to give him some water from his canteen. And my son said, don't go up to him, just throw it to him. But he went up to him thinking he's a little kid. Now, there was a wall between them that went up around waist high and as soon as the kid got close to him and he's starting to take out his water to give to him he's walking towards the kid guess what happens a hamasnik shoots the kid and the kid blows up and the soldier was wounded thank god there was half of a wall between them that soldier wasn't killed i tell my my sons if you see a kid walking by himself beware the kid is a either a uh what do you call them when they're when they're they're trying to uh, gauge it's uh it's wh- like a lure a lure right i i said do you think that if i were uh if if uh, if our city was under attack by hamas soldiers and i had my four-year-old kid or even a 12-year-old kid with me do you think i would even let him look out the window to see where the soldiers are let alone go out by himself into the street do you think if i were i am a woman but if i were if i were a a woman do you think i would go out into the street when i knew that there are hamas soldiers over there of course i wouldn't i would be scared i would be uh protecting myself in my house if someone is outside it is because they're either a lure or they're a spotter they're thinking that the soldiers are not going to kill a mother and her kid walking outside and, and because they're a, a, a female and a child and, and, and the Israelis aren't, are not going to target them and kill them. But these women and or children who are walking outside, they're looking. There's three soldiers over there and there's two over there and there's one in the house over there from that window. And then they go home and they tell the Hamas Exactly where our soldiers are. And then our soldiers get killed. They, they had a four-year-old that was sent out, and I think it was Alan Silver that reported this, was sent out, again, barefoot with injuries that needed tending, uh, basically just to see if the Israeli troops were alert and awake. And then if they kill them, all the better, because then they have another right. you know, sob story they can show over the, the news how Right, they send them out hoping our... that the child gets shot. Right, right. You know? Because and, they use them and... as human shields. And the, 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 the Hamas, who goes around in civilian clothing, they, will, they have now taken to walking around, the, crossing the street unarmed because all the various buildings that we have to leave standing have guns hidden in them. So they shoot. They leave a building unarmed. They found guns. Last night I saw, I saw the footage. They found guns hidden inside baby incubators in the hospital. Yep. Because the hospitals are very... Listen, I want everybody to understand. Israel has around, I don't know, six, seven, eight major hospitals in the entire country for like 11, 10, 11 million people. Gaza has 35 hospitals in it. 
Why? Because they want to build a Hamas base, and so they build a hospital, Ki'ilu, as if it's like a hospital, though it'll be small, maybe even a small thing, but they call it a hospital. And then they uh, make their terror tunnels there. They have their bases there where they can shoot rockets from because they shoot rockets from hospitals. They shoot rockets from UN bases. They shoot rockets from schools. That's where they do it because they're hoping that Israel won't retaliate. And if Israel does retaliate, oh, what a great news story that Israel bombed a hospital, Israel bombed a school, Israel bombed a UN base. So these are the things that they do. Can I just say that the UN bases should be bombed? Yeah, I said it. Okay. That's your opinion. Okay. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to give another eyewitness account that my son, who and who's who's fighting down there, said that he they spotted a Hamasnik on a balcony with binoculars looking where the Israeli army soldiers are, and in front of him. He's holding in his arms a baby. Using the baby as a human shield, hoping that the Israeli soldiers won't shoot at him while he's gathering this information so they can aim their RPGs and blow up our soldiers. This is a, I, I, and I wish that my son had a GoPro on his helmet <laughs> that he could have gotten that on camera. This is what we're dealing with. They play evil, sneaky tricks. They have uh, uh, times when they have had played tapes of babies crying in a building. So when the soldiers break in thinking it might be a hostage, uh, a kidnapped Israeli, they, they break in and then the place is booby-trapped and a bomb goes off. In Hebrew. In Hebrew yeah, Hebrew they'll have. Yes, Hebrew exactly. Well, yeah. So now I want to present to you. After saying some of these things, what they have to go through are soldiers. And when they give up, they they will blow themselves up or try to shoot. Uh, Here we're seeing news reports. uh, Here's here's one uh, one thing that was posted. I don't know the source. It's it's from an Arab. uh, But it says here, the Hamas released the three Israeli hostages into the range of fire knowing the hostages would be certainly killed by IDF fire. It was a setup. So you have to ask yourselves also, three Israeli hostages just happen to get loose and free, and they're walking in the streets? You have to wonder, did it really happen that they were able to get free, or were they sent out by the Hamas and possibly told if you holler or say that you're being sent out by us or that there's Hamas behind you or anything like that, we're going to shoot you. And then they're hoping that either it, these hostages will either draw the Israeli soldiers out and then they would shoot them and kill them or that uh, they would at least be able to see where these Israeli soldiers are and then aim, aim an RPG at them and kill them that way. So this is what our soldiers are dealing with. Here's another news report that came out. This is from yeshivaworld.com. It says here, the inquiry determined that the soldiers had opened fire in violation of protocols. However, according to the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, it is understandable what led the soldiers to open fire in recent days. Hamas terrorists in Shajaya, I hope I, I pronounce it right. Shajaya, Shajaya, I think it is, have tried to lure IDF soldiers into traps by playing recordings of yelling in Hebrew 
and waving white flags. Additionally, everyone in the IDF have encountered on the streets of the neighborhood in recent days are Hamas terrorists, some dressed as civilians, but wearing suicide belts under their clothing. The soldiers also had no expectation of the possibility of encountering escaped hostages on the streets. It was also revealed that IDF forces had discovered a building a few hundred meters away two days before the incident, we're talking 48 hours before this, with SOS scrawled on it in red spray paint, as well as the words three hostages and help in Hebrew. At the time, the soldiers believed that, that the graffiti was an ambush attempt and the building was booby-trapped and explosive devices were actually found nearby. The IDF is now checking the building to clarify whether the three hostages were held there. So this is what's happening. It's not that anyone here is trigger happy. The the two most important things for our soldiers is to, one, destroy this evil, evil Hamas, ISIS that we're dealing with, and to free our brothers and sisters who are kidnapped and are trapped. And they are inside this uh, situation of war crimes being perpetrated and the Red Cross does nothing and the international community does little if anything and it should not be bring them home it should be let them go now that's what should be the uh, sayings of all of the families there get all decent people of the world to demand that this war crime stops and these people be returned home that's what I have to say about that go ahead uh, no, I mean that's just that's just a great point, and um, as I said, it's like the most heartbreaking thing. I can't even imagine what it's like in them, but it's it's it, that is such a great point. That's such a fine, like a uh, fine point to make. It's like so nuanced, and 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 it would make it, I'd be much more comfortable if they were demanding that they were released. But the demand on Israel to do something, what do you want us to do? And it's, we're doing our very best in any case. Our, our very best. I mean, our, I mean, you know what? What our soldiers are doing? These guys. I mean, our kids. They're and husbands, and they're the best of the best of the best. It is just heartbreaking, and all we want to do is end this as fast as possible. And um, uh, unfortunately, as we've been touching on, we're we're just not going to be allowed to do that. I want to read an article from the Jerusalem Post. Do you need to go? No, okay, no, okay great. Okay. So I want to warn everybody, all of our listeners, it's going to be graphic when I'm reading. And so if you have children around or if you're very sensitive, now might be a time just to say thank you for the show, Tamar. Goodbye. Thank you for the show, Matt. Goodbye. I'm, I'm uh, heading out now. Uh, it says here, Israeli female soldiers were shot in the crotch, vagina, and their breasts on October 7th. It was often impossible for families to be shown faces, and it seems as if mutilation of these women's faces was an objective in their murders. This is what we're talking about, the Hamas, ISIS, and why they need to be destroyed. They, are, they have given up their humanity by doing such... They're, they're like demons. They're, they're monsters. And, and uh, again, they're, I'm giving a warning on the story, and it says here... Expressions of agony survived their deaths. Army reservist Sh uh, Sherry Mendes said, as she described what experts saw when they identified and prepared for burial the bodies of female victims of Hamas's October 7th massacre. By the way, on October 6th, the day before, 
Israel had a ceasefire with the Hamas. On October 7th, the Hamas broke that ceasefire, invading into Israel, and did these gruesome, gruesome atrocities. Quote, these women arrived with their eyes open, their mouths grimacing, their fists clenched, said Mendes, whose IDF rabbinical unit worked with the bodies, all of which were brought to the IDF's Shura base. The soldiers that we dealt with had expressions of agony on their faces still, said Mendes. Quote, I remember one young woman whose arm was broken in so many places, it was difficult for us to lay her arm in the burial shroud. Her leg, too. In her case, the entire left side of her body was shredded, torn apart, most likely by a grenade. Mendes spoke Monday at a sidebar, sidebar event at the United Nations in New York, organized by Israel's mission to the world body. Here are voices, sexual and gender-based violence on October the 7th, Hamas terror attack. It was meant to highlight stories of Hamas rape and gender mutilation during the attack, which have largely been swept under the rug by the international community, including the United Nations. Have you seen women's groups coming out against the terrible rapes and the abuse of women, Matt? Anything? Um, the, only the ones that get shamed into a statement, and it's, it usually equivocates. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, I hope I pronounced it right, and UN, uh, and UN Women issued condemnation of such acts only last week. And it says here, our team commander, that's under a lot of pressure, after being under a lot of pressure, as Matt just said, our team commander saw several female soldiers who were shot in the crotch, intimate parts, the vagina, or shot in the breast. This seems to be a systematic genital mutilation of a group of victims, Mendes said. In a film testimonial played at the event, a survivor said she watched a terrorist who had cut off a woman's breasts and played with them after he had raped her. Our unit has seen bodies that were beheaded or had limbs cut off, mutilated. One young woman, oh, my, sorry, just a second. Uh, my computer jumped here. Uh, I can take over if you can't find Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. go ahead. One young woman came in with no legs. They had been cut off. We saw sev- uh, several severed heads, one with a large kick, chick, I'm sorry, kitchen knife still embedded in the neck. Charred remains arrived and had to be identified and prepared for burial. These bodies were burned beyond recognition, often without arms or legs. They did not resemble anything human, Menendez says. Sometimes we sifted through piles of ash that disintegrated as we touched them. These soldiers were burnt alive at very high temperatures. Among bodies that were not burned, the heads were often badly disfigured. Heads and faces were covered in blood. They were shot in the eyes, face, and skull, uh, she said. It was often impossible for ha- families to be shown faces, and it seems as if mutilation of these women's faces was an objective in their murders. Some had their heads bashed in so badly that their brains were spilled out. Menendez continues. I'm sorry, Mendez continues. Some were shot in the head so many times at close range that their heads were almost blown off. In some cases, this was done after death, just out of cruelty, she said. Explaining that the absence of blood in the wounds showed that none was left in the body to drain out. Shura-based personal's grim work. 
Here we go. Mendez arrived at Shura the day after the Hamas attack in which the terror group massacred over 1,200 Israeli citizens. And it just happened to me, too, because the Jerusalem Post app stinks. Okay, so I, I'm with you. Okay. Uh, 1,200 people, including hundreds of soldiers, stationed on the southern border and kidnapped about 240 people. By the way, approximately 140 people are still being held by the Hamas. The uh, scene that greeted her that morning was unimaginable in scale she said body bags were piled to the ceiling lining the corridors in every room refrigerator trucks were waiting outside also full i want to stop here for a moment and i want to say if you are watching news channels that are taking the numbers accepting the numbers that the hamas liars are giving out about how many people we've killed women children etc don't believe it. You're, first of all, the information is coming from a cheating, lying, murderous organization. So, of course, they're going to up the numbers. And number two, if they really had 4,000 children that were killed, don't you think you'd be seeing it plastered all over the media? They love showing the funerals. Where are the funerals? You don't see them. You don't see 4,000 funerals. You don't see 7,000 funerals of, of all the people if you want to take in. You can bet if Israel had killed that many people, they would be showing it all over the place. In any case, let's get back to this. Body bags just kept coming in all shapes and sizes. Many were oozing liquids and the floors were wet. The smell of death was already unbearable. It is impossible to overemphasize the number of bodies we were dealing with, the sense of shock and despair, she said. Teams have been working to identify bodies at Shura around the clock since that day. Hamas did not show these women any honor in life, but it was important to us and our teams, groups of women, that we showed them deep love and gentleness as we prepared them for burial. Female IDF soldiers who prepared the bodies for burial were often the last to, the last to see the bodies. Go ahead. We held them in our hearts, even just for a moment, as if they were our daughters. We really loved them, she said. As the child of a Holocaust survivor, she added, I understand the importance of bearing witness. I am here to be the voice for those who cannot testify. Cheryl Sandberg says, uh, we can all agree nothing justify rapes. Others who addressed the event about the importance of condemning the use of rape as an act of war included former Facebook COO Cheryl Sandberg and former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. The latter sent a taped message. Sandberg said the rape was recognized as an illegal act of war only 30 years ago, but not enough has been done since. That is why this moment is so critical. We have come so far in establishing that rape is a crime against humanity, and we have come so far in believing survivors of sexual assault in so many institutions, she said, or situations. That's why the silence in these war crimes is dangerous. It threatens to undo decades of progress, to undo an entire movement. The world has to decide whom to believe. Do we believe the Hamas spokesperson that rape is forbidden and therefore it could not have possibly happened on October 7th? Or do we believe that women whose bodies tell us how they spent the last moments of their lives? I want to stop you for a second because I want to say here it is it is I, I would laugh if it if if it wasn't so sad that the Hamas spokesperson is saying that rape is forbidden and therefore it could not have possibly happened. Let me tell you something, everyone. They photographed these rapes 
with their GoPros. We have witnesses that survived these attacks that saw the rapes and saw the abuse that they did to these women, how they were screaming and crying until they heard gunshots and then silence. They had killed these women, some of them. And I want you to know also that in previous wars, when we were fighting in Gaza, they accused Israel of being racist because, and this was a woman Arab who said this, that the Israelis are rapists because, I'm sorry, that the Israelis are racists because they don't rape our women. They must think that they're too good for our women. That's what, that's, can you imagine like the sickness of these people, how they think that we're racist because we don't rape their women? No, we don't rape their women because we respect humanity. Okay, keep going. Um, uh, do we be, or do we believe this? Blah, 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 blah. Sandberg said that the victims of those rapes could have told their own story if only they had been allowed to live. And that... In their names, the principle that rape should never be used as an act of war should be recognized. The truth must be upheld despite the politics of our time. No matter what marches you are attending, what flag you are flying, what religions you are practicing, there is one thing we can agree on. There is no circumstance that justifies rape. Clinton said that as a global community, we must respond uh, to weaponized sexual violence wherever it happens with absolute condemnation. There can be no justification, no excuses. Rape is a weapon of war, is a crime against humanity. Organizations, governments, and individuals who are committed to a better future for women and girls have the responsibility to condemn all violence against women, she stated. It is outrageous that, someone, uh, that some who claim to stand for justice are closing their eyes and their hearts to the victims of Hamas. And I want to add here that they did, what they did not say in this article is that the people who were uh, given the bodies for burial, one of the doctors there said she had never in her life seen bodies in the condition that they were given. Some of these rape victims, she said, some of them had their pelvises broken. Can you imagine what kind of violence they were under as they were being raped? And we know that they were being raped also the other way, I don't want to say on the air, we saw the blood on the back of the pants of one of the girls that was taken away as hostage. Uh, terrible, terrible things happening and, and, and uh, the gruesome atrocities. There was a, a total uh, disgrace to humanity. And an, uh, monsters like this, they're not animals, they're worse. Animals are, are good. Uh, these monsters need to be uh, taken out. Uh, taken out. That's all I'm going to say. <sighs> wow. Uh, Israel's doing you a favor because I want to remind everybody that they don't just hate Israel, they hate the West. They say, first the Saturday people, that's the Jews, and then the Sunday people, that's the Christians, that's the West. For, they, they say, first the little Satan, Israel, and then the big Satan, America. Do you ever, do you ever listen to Mordechai Kedar, Dr. Kedar? Sure. Yeah, he had a really great, I uh, listened to it, was about an hour uh, primer on jihad and uh, um, and you know he knows his stuff he's fluent in Arabic and he knows the whole history going back to you know um, Muhammad. the revelation to Muhammad <laughs> yeah. um, and and it's 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 a part of Islam it's you know um, it was a really it was an eye-opening interview I should, I should I should send it to you it was with Karen Glick and uh, it really painted a picture of what makes a jihadist and in fact they're monsters because the whole purpose is to inflict absolute terror 
to be as horrible as they can. And, you know, people compared them to the Nazis, but as people are saying, you know, the Nazis at least tried to hide their crimes. They didn't live stream them for the world. Yeah, we're dealing with a very evil entity, and, and we need to destroy it as quick as possible. And, and may, may I just say, I don't know if you've seen any of the interviews with some of the survivors from some of the kibbutzim around the Gaza envelope, because those kibbutzim were all leftist peaceniks, right, who were down there believing in coexistence, and they were going to you know, help work towards a Palestinian state and, and have these beautiful friends. And, and then they're singing a completely different song now, but when you listen to some of the testimonies of people locked in their safe room, they'll tell you about the women who were who would turn off the electricity to the safe room, watch TV, make food, and have prepare snacks for the terrorists when they would come in and want to be hungry. The kids that were in there looting and helping to point things out to the terrorists. So uh, the the innocent Gazan is a complete myth. Oh, we saw when they were taking the uh, hostages, when they were kidnapping the, the men, women, and children as they were taking them into Gaza, you saw the crowds of people cheering and going up to the, to the kids, open toilet. Yes, them. and they were taking sticks and hitting these naked girls that were just raped, and, and who knows if they were still alive or, or not, but they were, they were in the back of these pickup trucks, and they were taking sticks and hitting, hitting these people, hitting the hostages. And- the hostages that were released by the Hamas during the cessation of hostilities were telling stories, but their vans were being set upon by the Gazans with them inside. So, you know, there is no sign of an innocent Gazan. Haven't seen one. And by the way, you know, every now and then you see a video of some Arab person in Arabic cursing Hamas and they brought this on them, blah, 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 blah. Well, um, you remember um, David Timor Etkin? Sure. Right. He, you know, I follow him. He debunks a lot of those videos and he says, people, please stop sharing this one. This is not what the subtitle said. They're not cursing Hamas. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. They, you know, so they just don't. Uh, there's no one there that deserves any humanitarian aid. No. Well, one. I, I, I want to say this. Uh, I think that they should get humanitarian aid in Egypt. Or okay, someplace yeah, yeah, else. I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm Let them I'm go make nice lives somewhere else. Uh, I, I want to tell people who think that a ceasefire is the right and just and humane thing to do that it is the exact opposite. Because when there's a ceasefire, you are letting the Hamas ISIS have a chance to replenty themselves, to rest, to be able to reorganize, and you're going to keep this war going for longer and longer and make more deaths and more deaths. These people, these uh, monsters. I don't even want to use the word people. These monsters, the sooner they're gone, the sooner this war is over, the safer everyone will be. If you are calling for a ceasefire, you are calling for them to stay alive. And you are calling for Israel to lose this war. And you are calling for the Hamas to keep their power in uh, Gaza there and perpetrate more atrocities like this like they say that they're going to do so if you're calling for a ceasefire you are either evil I'm going to say it straight you are either evil or you are stupid but think Hmm. you know what you give the Nazis a ceasefire so they can go and reorganize and and try to kill more of the allied soldiers and try to attack more cities in in London and and, and, and Europe 
and take over more. No, you crush them as soon as possible to bring peace to the world. That's what you do. And, and you know, so so the Western countries that are applying this pressure on us, I mean, look at the situations that they all have with their their uh, immigration from the Middle East over the last several years, probably going back to the Biden administration. Every Western country is a ticking time bomb now. No one, you know, um, so you would think that they would at least let us take care of business, but I guess they're afraid of their own streets burning. That's a good point uh, because that's a good point you're making, Matt, because I tell people those thousands and thousands of marchers who are angry and who are screaming, uh, by the way, they're screaming for Sharia law now in London. They just had a demonstration where they're screaming for Sharia law there. But in any case, they're marching down your streets. They're not marching down our streets in Jerusalem and our streets in Tel Aviv. They're marching down your streets in New York, in Los Angeles, in London, in Melbourne, in Paris, and all over the world. They're going to be, uh, they're, they're right on your doorstep. You better be careful, and you, sh- you should be supporting Israel, and, uh, and you should be uh, aware that first the Saturday people, but then the Sunday people, first the little Satan, Israel, and then the big Satan, America, the West. Let me read you. Let me finish off with this article, and then if you want to say something at the end, Matt, you are welcome to do so. This uh, is from uh, Vin News. I know it's been published in other places as well. It's a farewell letter of fallen soldier Ben Zuckerberg. He writes here, I was privileged. If I cry, just know that I'm the mother of two boys who are fighting in Gaza. I was privileged to fulfill my dream and destiny. And it says here, before IDF soldiers go into combat, they are advised to write a letter to be given to his family in case they are killed in action. The following remarkable treatment Testament was written by 22-year-old Sergeant Major of the Reserve's Ben Zussman, his memory be for a blessing, of Jerusalem, who fell in battle in Gaza. The letter was published by Israel's Khan, K-A-N, news public broadcaster. And this is what he wrote. I am writing this message to you, meaning his parents and family, on my way to the base. If you are reading this, Something has probably happened to me. As you know me, there's probably no one happier than me right now. I was just about to fulfill my dream soon. I am grateful for the privilege to defend our beautiful land and the people of Israel. Even if something happens to me, I won't allow you to sink into sadness. I had the privilege to fulfill my dream and my destiny And you can be sure that I am looking down on you with a big smile. Perhaps I'll sit next to grandfather and bridge some gaps. Each one will share their experiences and what has changed between wars. And we'll talk a bit about politics and I'll ask him for his opinion. If God God forbid you are sitting Shiva or Shiva, you're sitting in the seven day mourning period, turn it into a week of friends, family, and joy. Have food, definitely meat, beer, sweet drinks, seeds, tea, and of course, mom's cookies. Laugh. Listen to stories. Meet all my friends you haven't seen yet. Seriously, I envy you. I would like to be there to see everyone. Another very, very important point If, God forbid, 
I fall captive, alive or dead. I am not willing for a soldier or civilian to be harmed because of any deal for my release. I do not allow you to conduct a campaign or protest or anything like that. I am not willing for terrorists to be released in exchange for me. In no way, shape, or form. Please do not twist my words. I'll say it again. I left home without even being called up to the reserve duty. I am filled with pride and a sense of duty. And I always said that if I have to die, I hope it will be in defense of others and the country. Jerusalem, I have placed guards. This is from Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6. I have, Jerusalem, I have placed guards. May the day come when I will be one of them. May his memory be blessed and may his blood be avenged. Amen. And I will end there. Matt, if you want to say something, no, sign off. I really don't. I'm not on top of that. It's just another one of, another one of our heroes in a nation full of heroes. Truly heroes. I want to wish everybody peace, safety, a huge victory over evil, and a quick one. Bring all of our soldiers and hostages home safe, well, healthy, after a huge victory over this evil. Thank you, everyone, for being with us here on the Tamar Yona Show. Thank you, Matt.